Carolina podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Oh, you want to hit some mailbag questions, John? Sure. Okay, let's do that. Let's start it out in Tomball. Jimmy Tomball emails in. Um, week one, how many of the 2021 rookie draft class are on this team? So, John, just to refresh, there were five players that Texans took in 2021. Davis Mills, Nico Collins, Brevin Jordan, Garrett Wallow, and Roy Lopez. How many are on this team? And I guess the spirit of that question seemed to be, um, obviously, if you guys get cut. I think in the case maybe, say, a Davis Mills, um, you know, could Davis Mills get traded between now and the start of the season for a team that maybe needs a quarterback? So, if you had to guess of those five, how many do you think are on the, tex- the Texans 53-man roster in week one. Well, I think Nico Collins will be because he could be their best receiver if he could stay healthy. This is a make-or-break year for him. Roy Lopez running first-team defensive tackle while Sheldon Rankins is out with a non-football injury uh, on that list after missing the off-season program. He hadn't, he hadn't really impressed people, I can tell you that. And the reason he was signed is because he's good against the run. And uh, – so Lopez was running first team next to Malik Collins. Garrett Wallow has been a special teams player. You know, they've got linebackers right now. Denzel Perryman's running first team with Christian Harris and Christian Kirksey, although they'll play two linebackers most of the time. And uh, so Collins, Mills, uh, if I had to say one, it would be gone in that 53 cut. It would be Garrett Wallow just because they have some new linebackers like uh, Henry uh, Henry, uh, my mind's gone blank. Toa Toa. yeah, Henry yeah. Toa Do you think Christian Kirksey makes this team, John? I know he was running with the ones today. I get that. But he's, he, you know, look, he's not a good football player right now. I know they, they loved his leadership the last couple of years. It seems like they've brought in plenty of leadership, either imported in free agency or drafted guys who have leadership traits. If you were doing a, a John McClain 53-man mock roster, right now um, for sportsradio610.com. Would you have Christian Kirksey making the final cut? Sounds like you would. Perryman and Toa would be the two uh, middle linebackers, and then Christian Harris be one outside. I think it would come down to you keep a young, cheap guy like Garrett Walla, who plays on all the special teams, or, you take, or do you keep Kirksey, a veteran, who might not play but 30% of the time? Yeah, I, I would keep – I'll say no. I'm yeah, I, I'm that. with you. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay, I got you. Yeah, you were just pointing out that he was running with the ones. I guess you weren't necessarily saying he should be. Um, Brevin Jordan, where are we on Brevin Jordan, John? Do you think he makes the he makes it? They just they we know they they signed Dalton Schultz. They they've got Tegan Catoriano, who's pup list right now, but they like him a lot. They brought in Eric Tomlinson, a former Texan, back in the building this week at tight end. What do you think happens with uh, with Brevin Jordan here? Jordan's never going to make the team because of his blocking. Yeah. You know, he's like a, a fullback or a big wide receiver. He's gained, he's added muscle because he knows in this offense, run by D'Amico Ryans as the head coach and Bobby Slork as coordinator, you have to block. You have to give the effort. And he's willing to give the effort. But this is make or break for him. Third training camp. And uh, he's fortunate. You know, Tomlinson's a big guy, 6'6". He's like Toriano, 6'6", 260". Those guys take up space. Brevin Jordan, you know, he's going to be one of those, I think, on the bubble. 
Yeah, and he's been inconsistent catching the football too. You're not a good blocker. You got to be able to catch the football. He's he's been inconsistent in his career catching the football. All right, next question. Harold, not a good. No, that that is not a recipe to stay in the NFL on a team with this offense for sure. Um, Harold in the Galleria, have you guys begun to formulate your hashtag collapse for Caleb power rankings? I really think there could be some overt tanking going on this season, John. I guess so. The question is. Have we started thinking about which teams uh, are going to be, you know, kind of positioning themselves, I guess we'll say, to get in position to get Caleb Williams? The good news, I guess, for those teams is even if you get Caleb Williams, if you get the number two pick, you can get Drake May out of North Carolina. These are two really good quarterbacks. Who do you think those teams are, John, as the season goes on, that are not just not bad football teams, but bad, but bad football teams that seem to be doing things that are putting themselves in position to try to draft what I think a lot of people see in Caleb Williams as a generational talent, even better than the guys that get drafted at the top of this year's draft. I've been reading a lot of people I really respect. Some of them like Drake May better than they do Caleb Williams. It's going to be, mm-hmm. should be a great quarterback draft, a deep quarterback draft. And uh good thing, like I was asked to pick an underdog national champion besides the usual suspects, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State. And I went with USC because they've got Williams and they've got a good coach. They don't have a tough pack uh, 12 out there. But uh, Arizona's got big problems with that contract with Kyler Murray. Yeah. And, but a new coach and a new GM, they're going to want their people. Somehow I think they'll take Williams or May, and then they will end up um, finding a way to get rid of Kyler Murray, even if they take a monster cap hit. Because he's not been a good fit there. Because their only reason he was first overall was because of Cliff Kingsbury. That's he right. wanted it, and they did what he wanted. I think Tampa Bay is going to be terrible, uh, and they'll need a quarterback. I think. Uh, let's see. I th- saw a thing the other day that had the Texans going six and eleven, and there were five teams with worse records, including mm-hmm. Indy. Indy's mm-hmm. not going to want a quarterback because of Anthony. Richardson, you're going to have teams want to trade up. I think the Bucks are going to be bad. I don't think Ball Todd Balls is a good coach. I think they'll need a new head coach too. And uh, and let's see who else is out there that could be bad. Let me let me, let me throw let me throw a few teams at you, John. I've been okay. I, I jotted it down on the back of the cocktail. You you hit first two, the back of the cocktail napkin here. Uh, Arizona and Tampa Bay, first two I put. You're, I think you're spot on there. Let me throw a couple more at you, Washington. Especially the new uh, ownership, new ownership who went through the process in Philadelphia, John, with the Sixers. They're better than all bad teams. I mean, they didn't have bad team last year. Now they're going with a quarterback who's only started one game in Sam Howell. They're putting a lot of eggs in Sam Howell's basket. And if he's bad, they should just stick with him and try to get in position to trade up. I don't think they'll be bad enough to get one of those guys by drafting them, but I think they'll be close enough to trade up as Carolina was. Okay, let me throw another one at you. What if Jordan Love is bad in Green Bay? What, what if he's just not a good quarterback and they're in the mix to, to well, get Caleb Williams? You know, what if the Bears are real bad and Justin it was my next better, one. If he's a better runner than he is a passer again, uh, even though they profess to love him, I would think them. Jordan Love has been there as a backup long enough, he needs to establish himself. But I would think both of those teams would be possibilities to trade up to get one of those star quarterbacks. 
Well, and Chicago's got the ammo to do it because of the trade they made with Carolina to let them go up and get Bryce Young. Last one, John, and maybe maybe the news this week about Jimmy Garoppolo changes the calculus on this. I, if I were a Las Vegas fan, I would have rooted for Jimmy Garoppolo's contract to get voided and then throw Brian Hoyer out there and position myself to go get Caleb Williams this season. But I think Las, I think even with Garoppolo, there's a chance Las Vegas is a bad football team this year. I think there will be, and I think also at some point he's going to get hurt. He's only had one full season since he's been in the NFL, and they may just decide to sit him for a while and uh, as to watch the losses pile up. They definitely could finish last in the AFC West. All right, let's get let's move it here. Move along here with the um, with the mailbag. We'll get a few more of these in. Joe Q, frequent emailer to the show, Joe. We appreciate you tuning in. Um, he says uh, for you guys over under. Over under on number of games Davis Mills starts in 2023, A, for the Texans, B, for all teams in the NFL. In other words, if Davis Mills were to get moved. I guess just in general, John, what do you think? What, let's do the Texans one first because we don't know what the trade – That's tra- trading Mills is, is a super hypothetical thing. But if you were to guess how many games Davis Mills were to start for the Texans this year. Injury, the only thing that hits Davis Mills in this lineup here. Do you think if C.J. Stroud is struggling a month into the season, do they do with him what they did to Davis Mills these last couple of years and let him watch from the sidelines? I think they would and then put him back in. So I'll say Mills could start two or three games. Okay, we'll put it at two and a half, Joe. How's that? We'll do that. Um, Joe also asked, John, I think it's a good question for you because you've been watching football longer than, than, uh, than I have and a lot of people listening have. Um, but asking about the running backs um, and the, the workload, why the workload has really seemed to tax running backs of this day and age, he says, is it simple analytics or the result of linebackers being so much bigger? Does that factor in on the odometer? Guys like Barry Sanders, Thurman Thomas, and Walter Payton were all elite, far, far beyond what today would be a rookie contract, and they got as many or more carries than today's backs. It is an interesting thing, John. It does seem like for whatever reason – Back when the NFL was a whole lot more hard-hitting, that the elite backs had a durability factor, at least an ability to avoid injury, that today's running backs don't seem to have. It seems like a, they it seems like age 27, 28, they fall off a cliff, and that's why we see the likes of Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs getting handled the way that they do. I think it's like pitching in baseball. Guys approach 200 innings, the fans, the manager, the general manager freak out. Oh, my God, he's almost at 200 innings. Hunter Brown's at 75 innings. He's never pitched this much. I think that's just the way the game is played today, and a lot of it has to do with analytics and that there's a lot of talent. And I don't think that football will go back to it unless, say, a quarterback goes down and a running back steps up. Like, say, Texans had to play uh, Davis Mills and Damian Pierce ran for 1,500 yards and they won – 10 games from one of the playoffs. One more year. He's going to get an extension after three, probably of two or three more years, which would take him into his sixth season. Uh, but I think that's the only way. As it is, as far as the carries, can those guys do it? Sure. Why couldn't they do it? Other, they did it. Most of them did it in college. Yeah. Now, Damian Pierce didn't because he was misused. But most of those running backs get a lot of carries in college. Then they come in the NFL and it's like, they can't do it anymore. A lot of it, I still think it goes back to analytics instead of common sense. Yeah, I hear you. Um, all right, next one, Chris in the ATL. Based on all the positive takes on C.J. Stroud from inside and outside the organization, if he's not named the starting QB in game one, should we be concerned? 
Should people be concerned, John, if C.J. Stroud is backing either Keenan Davis in week one? Sean, I'm not going to be concerned about anything as him as a rookie because I've seen too many rookies struggle. Peyton Manning was awful as a rookie. And mm-hmm. uh, so I think if he doesn't, it might be because they want to send Davis Mills to hostile territory to play Baltimore, but it, they've been killed by Baltimore before with veteran quarterbacks. And I think Stroud needs to play in that game. He needs to go in a hostile environment. So what if there's 70,000 fans? That'd be a small crowd in the Big Ten. You know, he's used to that kind of atmosphere. So I think he ought to be starting the first game. If he's not, I think it'll have more to do with D'Amico Ryans than it will C.J. Stroud. I, John, I love that they're playing Baltimore in Baltimore in the first game. I, I love that because it's really, it's in some ways, it's kind of a no-lose situation. I think the expectations in that game are very low. You know, so I think if C.J. Stroud goes into that hostile territory, I don't even think they need to win the game. If he goes in there and he, he manages the game properly and the offense runs competently um, and he's not making a ton of mistakes and they go in and they lose that game, you know, 27 to 21 or something like that. Um, I think they come back week two with people really, really excited about the possibilities for this football team playing an Indianapolis team that quite honestly, they should beat at home in week two, in my opinion. So I think that they're playing Baltimore in Baltimore in week one, or would you rather see them play, play maybe just kind of a, a nondescript average opponent? I'd rather see them play the Colts the other first game, then go to Baltimore. But I'm yeah. with you. Yeah. They have a good showing up there. It'll almost be like a win. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One of those rare times, John, if you just cover the spread, everybody's happy. You know, not just gamblers, everybody. Everybody in, in Texans Nation. All right. Last one, John. This is from Matthew Kaseki, another loyal emailer to the show. <laughs> he first – he – uh if you recall, when Michael Jordan came out of retirement, he put out a statement with his uh, his representation, David Falk. And Matthew Kosecki says, the following statement was released today by Matt Kosecki through his personal attorney and business manager, David B. Falk, Washington, D.C., in response to question about his future mailbag plans. I'm back. <laughs> Remember Michael Jordan's statement was just a two-word statement, I'm back? So Matthew Kosecki is telling us he's back as a mailbag guy and as a Texan fan, John. Um, and I think a lot of Texan fans feel that way. Here's what he's asking. He he asked, He goes into great detail about Nick Casario's strategy of just doing one- and two-year deals with uh, with free agents uh, they, they brought in from outside the building. It's Other than Cam Johnson, it's been all one- and two-year deals for the first three off-seasons that Nick's been the GM. And we've seen that with some of the guys that he's extended internally that are already in the building, Titus Howard most recently, but Laramie Tunsil um, was a, a three-year deal. Um, he says, I suppose my question is, do we think it's best for Nick to continue ne- to continue not going big game hunting in free agency long term? Is it better to only do one or two year deals with the extension to extend the ones that work out, i.e. the guys you drafted or guys like Malik Collins, who you brought in you know, two years ago? And turns out he's a guy we want to keep around. So let's give him some money. You got to do both. You can't be married to one thing next year. They need a big time wide receiver. No guarantees in college, so if there's one uh, that's available, like, say, Tyreek Hill was, that's when I think he'll go big. If he thinks a player is the difference in being a legitimate playoff team, a wild card contender or a contender to win a division title in a bad division, I think he'll do it, and I think he'll pay big bucks. Mm, Big bucks and big draft capital, John, too, because it's Tyreek Hill. Those trades, those aren't free agents. That's, you know. I think if if, – if he has a chance to do that, he would do it. 
Yeah, I think so. I think as long as it makes sense, he would do something. Casario would. All right, John, what do you got going on on SportsRadio610.com? I've got a column after the first day of training camp on D'Amico. Brian's is Ryan's first day kind of back at school. Talked to D'Amico about uh, since going to bed the night before, getting up this morning, what he was thinking about, what he was doing, and I'll have that on SportsRadio610.com. And then when the Titans make it official that they're going to wear Texans uniforms, I'm going to have a column with uh, guys like Warren Moon, Bruce Matthews, Robert Brazil and Dan Pastorini telling me what they think about it. And uh, and then I'll have more on training camp as we continue on a time at a time of the season when people are excited. So when you say the Titans making it official, John, I mean they've announced it on their social media. Do you mean like announcing who they're going to be playing against in those Yeah, official it's going to be the Texans in Nashville. Okay. Okay. It's when that's official. Okay. So you got a column in the holster ready to go for that one. If and when that happens. Yeah, but I will. Okay, gotcha. Have you talked to those guys about it? All the, the Moons and the Matthews and everybody? They all think it's great. So I'll call them and get quotes when uh, when it's official. Okay, that's John, that's going to be fascinating. I don't think I've ever seen people come at you in drove the way that they have since these Oiler uniforms got announced. And you keep I'm, coming. I'm not going to change my mind. I love No, of course players. not. Nordic uniforms. I want to see them again. Saw them for 20 years. I, liked, I saw them for two years when they were the Tennessee Oilers. And we'll get to see him one more time. Um, it's the fascinating part to me. It's one thing for people to come after you, John. They come after you all the time. You know that. You know, it's uh, you're. I don't you're, know that. I don't look at social media. So unless people tell me, I don't know. Okay. You know, anybody opinion business, people come at you. You know, you they come at me. They come at you. You know, that's the business we're in. Bruce Matthews and Warren Moon and guys like a Hall of Famers that wore the Oiler uniform are retired legends who they're they're out of the business of having people come after them they're you know their toes are in the sand they're doing you know they're coaching or they're doing uh you know warren does broadcasting and things like that i'm anxious to see how houstonians feel about some of these beloved oilers saying how great it is that the tennessee titans are using these uniforms i think it's going to be a very polarizing thing it's going to be a very difficult thing for i think a lot of houstonians to digest at players that they loved watching back in the 80s, 90s, 70s, in the case of Pastorini and guys like that, that they, by and large, universally, maybe it sounds like, all think this is a great thing that the Titans are wearing these uniforms. I think, I think there are going to be a lot of long-time Houston sports fans that struggle with how to consume and digest that.